Let's turn in our Bibles to God's Word, Genesis chapter 8, verses 22 to chapter 9, verse 17. Genesis chapter 8, just at the very end of that chapter. In fact, we'll begin at verse 20. Uh, This is the the end of the flood. And coming in at verse 20, it says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. Never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done, as long as the earth endures seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground and upon all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I give you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal. And from each man too, I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. And God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. And may God add his blessing to his word today. Uh, This has been an unusual summer in that it has been very wet, um, the wettest July on record, and for those of us who were on holiday, we certainly realized that. Uh, If you were in Scotland yesterday, it rained all day, and there were floods everywhere, if you saw that in the news. And on days like these, and months like these, it's good to remember Genesis 8 and 9, 
and to remember that God has given a covenant. He has given a promise that He will never flood the whole earth again. The sign of the rainbow has been used in a variety of ways over the years, but if you like, God has the original patent on it. God has put this rainbow in the sky as a reminder to us of His faithfulness. And that has been our theme of our harvest this year, God's faithfulness. Whenever we read Genesis, Genesis gives us kind of the the big story. And in, in the book of Genesis, when you read through Genesis, you get all the themes coming at you that will be explored and explained through the rest of Scripture. It's such a key book. And even in these two chapters, chapter 8 and chapter 9, we have a snapshot of some very key themes. And we want to look at these uh, three key themes very, very briefly this morning. The first key theme that we find in this story, and indeed in the Bible uh, as a whole, is the theme of our fallenness. At the end of chapter 8, we have a promise to Noah, but it has come at the end of a great flood. And why did that flood come? Well, I suppose in short, we could say that it came because God's patience ran out. God's patience ran out. We were told earlier in Genesis that the Lord saw how great man's wickedness was on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was evil all the time. Men and women were increasingly turning away from God and His ways and saying, we will be king. We will do things in our way. God was seen either as an irrelevance or as a nuisance, as a spoil sport. And so they pushed him away and pushed him away and pushed him away. So bad had things become that God decides, I will wipe out humankind apart from eight individuals and I will start again. Noah was instructed to build a large boat, an ark, and to take into that ark his family and all kinds of animals and birds. Now, Noah's boat has often been used by the church as a picture of the church, a picture of salvation through the hostile waters of the world. And so through the ages, a lot of churches were designed as upturned boats. The timber ceilings were the timbers of the hull. And words like nave were used for the central section of the church. And that word nave comes from a Latin word meaning navis, meaning ship. So this picture of salvation of the the boat sailing through the hostile waters or the floods is a picture that continues into church today. Ever since Genesis 3, we live in a fallen, broken world, and that fallenness affects absolutely everyone. Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The book of Genesis, the story of Noah, and indeed the whole Bible reminds us that we were created by God, but we also have this this desire to move away from God, to do our own thing in our own way, to be disobedient. Our sin is ingrained in us. 
Even after the promise and even after the flood ended and even after the, dr the land became dry again, it's not very long. It's just later in Genesis chapter 9, we find Noah getting drunk and sin, the sin cycle starts again. But God has made a promise. The reformers would often use the phrase total depravity to explain humankind's condition. Now, by that, the reformers did not mean that we are totally depraved because we are a mixture of good and evil. But what it did mean is that every aspect of life has been impacted by sinfulness and by sin. Our total existence is not immune from the reach of sin. The Bible is such an honest book. It does not soft-pedal our condition. And yet it is out of our sinfulness and our fallenness that we have this wonderful promise of God in verse 22 of chapter 8. This story is an amazing story of God's faithfulness even in the midst of fallenness. God promises, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. So Genesis 8 and 9 reminds us of our fallenness, but then secondly, it does remind us of God's faithfulness. Harvest is one of the best times to remind ourselves of how faithful God is to a broken world to us and to an unfaithful world. God has deliberately chosen to set His favor upon us. And in renewing his covenant with Noah and making a promise to Noah, he is saying to Noah, and he's also saying to us, you may be sinful, you may be broken, you may be fallen, you may be imperfect, but I am for you. The book of Romans, which I quoted earlier, also says, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. In other words, while you were still hostile towards God, he moved towards you in Christ. Whenever I was hostile towards God, he moved towards me in Jesus Christ. Listen to these wonderful words of a theologian, Jürgen Moltmann. In the abyss of our disappointments, we find God's hope. In the deepest depths of appalling guilt, we find God's grace. In the bitterness of suffering that offers no escape, we find God's love. At the heart of everything is God's unswerving yes. God is faithful. God can be trusted. And we see this in the physical blessings of seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Now, in our world, and um, we were even praying earlier, in our world, there are places where maybe the famine has come or drought has come or floods have come, and maybe the harvest has not been as good as it ought to be. But we are told and we are reassured that in terms of the world's supply and the world's provision of food, there is enough even to feed whatever it is, uh, billions of people. The problem comes because, again, of our sinfulness and government sinfulness that we hoard to ourselves, that we are not generous with what we have, and yet God is faithful. 
and God blesses us. We don't even have to go very far on into Genesis uh, whenever we discover in the life of Joseph that there's a famine in Egypt. So although God gives this general promise, this uh, promise of seed time and harvest, there are occasions when there are difficulties, but overall He is faithful. Overall He is providing for the world. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, and no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Everything is fulfilled in Him. And if we want to experience the fullest and clearest expression of God being God for us, then we see that in Jesus Christ. As we've seen recently in the Gospel of John, all of the law, all of the promises, all uh, the temple, the, the priesthood, the sacrifices, all of this is a shadow of what we have in Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment. He is the satisfaction. He is, as Amy said earlier, He is the bread of life. And harvest is a great time to see this, that God is for us. In the displays so uh, creatively produced for us around the windows and in the foyers, we're reminded God is for us. In the tastes, in the variety, in the smells, in the colors, God is for us. God is faithful. So we see in Genesis and in the Bible and in our lives, we see fallenness, but we see secondly, God's faithfulness. And thirdly and finally, we see fruitfulness. Because after the flood, this is God's command, this fresh start. He says, now I want you to be fruitful. I want you to flourish. You see, God knows what is best for us. And in making this promise to Noah, he realizes that Noah, because God sees ahead, he realizes that Noah's going to let him down. We're going to let him down. And so he gives laws, and he gives a basic law here to order this sinful world. And so he gives Noah a direction, a law, a fundamental rule about the sanctity and the dignity of human life. We are not to spill blood not to spill human blood, and I think also in terms of animals, not, not to spill even animal blood unnecessarily. The command is to be fruitful and to increase. And God gives to Noah what one writer has called an emergency legal provision. Do not shed blood. And this will be an interim measure until a fuller revelation of God's word and His ways is given through Moses. But God is a realist. He knows that people will sin even in this refreshed world. Even after Jesus came, He knows that people continue to sin and turn away from His best for them. But He still says, I am for you. I am for you. I am with you. He wants the best for us. And as the church of Jesus Christ, we are given this promise and we are to sing about this promise. We are to witness about this promise. We are to live out this promise. He moves towards us in Jesus Christ. Jesus, if you like, is in the boat with us. Walton, in, in one of the commentaries in Genesis, says this, the same God finds and nurtures in each one of us 
that which transforms our lives from sinful rubble to useful ministry. And so despite our sin, despite the rubble and the wreckage of our lives and the baggage and the burdens, God chooses us. He sets His love upon us. And He says, now I want to use you in ministry to serve in my kingdom. What amazing grace that is. He has committed Himself to us. He is for you. His faithfulness rests upon us. And we see that today of all days. On the mountain, in the valleys, there was Jesus. In the shadows of the alleys, there was Jesus. In the fire, in the flood, there was Jesus. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Forgive us when we doubt you. Forgive us when we push back against you. Forgive us when we think we know better than you do. But in the midst of it all, you are faithful. Your covenant faithfulness goes on forever. And we see it supremely in the bloodshed, Jesus Christ on the cross. Thank you for your son. Thank you for our salvation. Help us to follow you into the fruitfulness that you have for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.